in this league presents the NFL Draft Prospect Podcast. You like that? You like that? In this war room. Chug it, chug it, football. Here's your host, Scott Bogman. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the war room. I'm your host, Scott Bogman. You can find me on Twitter at Bogman Sports, at Is It the Welsh for my partner in crime, and at in this league pod for everything that is going on uh, with us over at in this You can also check out patreon.com slash ITL army to check out all my ranks for the upcoming NFL draft. I have put out a bunch of quarterbacks, wide receivers, running backs, and some tight ends. Uh, today's show is going to be some more wide receivers that I didn't get to in the last wide receiver show. Uh, but um, I have been watching a lot more film. This takes much longer than I thought it was going to at the beginning of this process. You know, this is the first year that I really dug super deep. The last couple seasons, it was, you know, watch uh, a little bit of film, uh, read a couple of scouting reports, and kind of form my opinion based on that. Uh, And obviously, I watch a ton of college football. I do the College Fantasy Football Podcast. You know, my weekends during the football season are, uh, you know, my ass is planted in my chair. I'm watching the games on Saturday, and then on Sunday, I watch the games all day until, of course, recordings at the end of that day. Uh, Saturday, I record with Blaze for the College Fantasy Football. Uh, Sunday, I record with the Welsh. Two football shows. We do the Black Book as well. So lots and lots of football, and um, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of rumors and things happening in the NFL draft, you know, for the majority I don't trust anything that happens right now. It is just all, there's just all kinds of smoke screens and lies. And it's it's like watching, um, oh God, what's the show on Netflix? The one that they booted Kevin Spacey off of. House of Cards. You just have to assume that everyone is some type of evil or, you know, to just no one is telling the truth. They're not necessarily evil. I mean, they are an ounce of cards from what I saw. I only watched the first season. But uh, anyway, uh, I just don't don't believe anything. And there's going to be something unbelievably shocking that happens during the draft. Someone in the top ten is going to go that we didn't see happening at all. But uh, the Welsh and I will be doing a show on this feed uh, for Thursday where I do a mock draft and the Welsh and I kind of go over it. So... Uh, I'm working on that as we speak as well, but uh, let's hit some of the draft stuff that's been happening, and then let's hit some of these uh, wide receivers that I got to go over the last week. So the first rumor that we have here is uh, John Kime from ESPN said that the Redskins will most likely trade for Josh Rosen. Now, the reason this makes a ton of sense to me is because they, um, well, two two reasons. Number one, I kind of feel like the Giants are not necessarily completely off the board, but I think that the Giants are off the board because if they really, really like Josh Rosen, they probably would have taken him last year over Saquon Barkley. Now, it's not to say that, you know, obviously if that was the case, they would have had to have passed on Saquon Barkley. So maybe they did like him and maybe what we've been hearing from them is smokescreen and stuff like that. But usually... Gettleman is going to do what he thinks is the best move. And right now, he thinks that the best, or in 2018, he thought that the best move was to take Saquon Barkley, pass on Josh Rosen. If they thought that Josh Rosen was, 
you know, a uh, franchise-altering quarterback, they would have taken him, and they didn't. So um, that's why I think the Giants are less likely. I don't know if there's someone that the Giants like this year. Um, I think it would be in their best interest to wait until next year when the quarterback class is much better. But that's kind of how I feel about uh, the Giants in this rumor because the Giants are the other team that has been rumored all over the place. Um, now, the Redskins are the team that uh, they said most likely will trade for him. That makes a lot of sense because they're picking a little bit later. Uh, and we know, watching quarterbacks be drafted in the NFL, that teams, if they fall in love with a quarterback, are more than willing to trade up. And we have plenty of spots where quarterbacks could go, um, starting with, of course, the uh, you know the Cardinals at number one. This is why Josh Rosen will be traded. They'll be taking Kyler Murray from everything. There are some people, you know, in knowledge that think that this whole thing is a complete and total smokescreen. I don't buy that. I think, like I've said before, why would you have the balls to go out and hire Cliff Kingsbury? and then not run his system with a quarterback that he likes. And we know that he likes Kyler Murray because he specifically told us that. In October, when they were, when Texas Tech was playing against Oklahoma, he was saying how much that he loved Kyler Murray and how he recruited him ever since he was a sophomore in high school and was very excited to watch him play uh, the year that he got to start. So I think it just makes too much sense to be a smokescreen. Now... I have been wrong in the past, and uh, I have been wrong about draft stuff in the past many times, and I will take the L if they decide to do something else. I'm hoping that if this is all a smokescreen, that we'll hear about it at some point uh, before the draft actually happens. But here are the teams. You know, you got the Giants at six, and a lot of mocks have Haskins there. My mock is going to have Haskins there, and I'm coming off that idea a little bit, but once again, you know, all the smoke screens that say this, they're not going to do that. They're not going to do this and blah, 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 blah. I think that uh, I think they're taking Haskins. I could be wrong and I wouldn't be surprised. That one, like I'm 50-50 on. John Elway keeps swinging and missing on uh, quarterbacks, but he's picking at number 10. And um, I think that there is a definite possibility that Drew Locke goes there because um, he, he seems the word smitten has been thrown around a lot with him and Drew Locke, and that's a quarterback with size and an arm, and that kind that seems to be the stuff that he loves. Paxton Lynch kind of fit that mold. Uh, Swag Kelly he took late kind of fit that mold. I just, um, you know, they have Joe Flacco. They need someone to sit behind him. That could be. I'm not saying the Broncos will, but this is another reason why the Redskins uh, you know, might wind up trading for Rosen instead of trading up for one of these other guys. Uh, the Bengals are a possibility quarterback, too. If Haskins falls, they could take him there. They could take Daniel Jones. They're doing their due diligence. And the big one is Miami. Now, I really think Miami should wait. I really, really think Miami should wait to take a quarterback next year because they got a rookie head coach and a roster that um, is ugly. I mean, the offensive line is not great. They don't put much pressure on the quarterback. Um, the, the wide receivers are questionable. They've got to, they stuck with Devontae Parker 
Uh, they have Kenny Stills. and They've got like three number twos, I would say. They don't really have a number one. Uh, running back is questionable in Drake. Is he going to get all the carries? What do they have with Balage? Uh, tight end is still suspect with Gasicki. I know they sent, they've spent picks there. Uh, the secondary is pretty solid, adding uh, Fitzpatrick last year, and they still haven't traded Rashad Jones. But they need a quarterback. So if I'm them, I th- I'm thinking I'm probably going to lose a bunch of games this season. I'm probably going to be picking fairly high, and I will fall in love with one of the quarterbacks that come out next year. You know, Herbert, Fromm, Tua, all could be in that. Well, Herbert definitely will be. But there are uh, tons of possibilities of quarterback for next season. And then, <clears throat> you know, the Redskins are picking 15. If the Giants decide to take someone different at six, uh, they could easily trade with the Falcons and move up and take a quarterback. They could trade with the Packers, who love to move back. They did that last year when uh, Lamar Jackson was taken. So, um, you know, looking at some other teams here, uh, the Raiders could, they've got plenty of draft stock. They could move up. Um, you know, th- there's not too many other teams. I would say, you know, the Chargers have done some work on quarterbacks too. They could move up to take their replacement uh, for Phillip Rivers at some point. Th- there's just, there, there's too much in question to sit at 15 and say that I'm taking X player because, uh, especially at quarterback, because we've seen in the past all kinds of teams trade up for a quarterback and uh, that's why this rumor makes a ton of sense to me. I think uh, Rosen would fit perfectly there. Um, he can sit another year, maybe behind Case Keenum, and learn. Or if Keenum isn't getting it done, he can play in the system this year. But it gets him out of Arizona, which he really doesn't fit in, and um, get him on the right track to becoming a good quarterback in the NFL. Now, we've heard a little bit of you know this Aaron Rodgers uh, stuff came out uh, over the week, and Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers and all of their drama and all that stuff and how uh, sometimes Aaron Rodgers can rub his teammates the wrong way. There's been a lot of that talked about with Josh Rosen as well. So, But if you're in your first year and you're being traded already, now it's not necessarily his fault because you know a new system was brought in and all that crap, but um, I, I don't know. You know. If someone is so willing to get rid of you, Maybe you're not doing the right thing either. So uh, Josh Rosen to the Redskins, I really like that as a uh, rumor that could happen. Now, uh, the other quarterback stuff that's been happening, and these are the big rumors of quarterback things. Drew Locke visited with the Broncos on Sunday and Monday. I mean, come on. Jim Harbaugh, sleepaway camp. You know, uh, I, I think he's just getting ready. They probably went, uh, you know, uh, looking at houses or something over there. Uh, Haskins is going to visit the Broncos and the Redskins this week, so all the teams are going to do their due diligence. But this one uh, interests me, and I don't know how much of an effect it's going to have on the draft, but you have to take it into consideration. The The American Alliance of Football shuttered. They closed down, they closed their doors, and that's a wrap. We got seven weeks out of it, um, You know, seven weeks of mediocre football, was just not enough. If you're going to do this, you got to do it right. It's very upsetting, especially to the people that weren't involved, because they were all told, and you know, I think Spurrier let this uh, go on one of his shows, they were all told that they had money to last for at least three seasons. And we got uh, you know two weeks in, and they were talking about closing down. Then they got a big investment, and um, I think it was 140 or $70 million or something. I wasn't paying that much attention, i got to be honest. 
but um, it's over with. I think the way for a league like this to survive is going to be you have to start paying the players and say you have to disconnect from the NFL and you have to not be connected to them in any way. And you just have to say, hey, look, we're going to start our own thing. You can play when you're 18. Maybe they do like, uh, you know, um, 16, you know, maybe play like baseball does. You can play if you're 16 and we'll start paying you to to do a job and play here. And, um, you know, you have to disconnect from that and you have to be uh, overwhelmingly uh, secure financially to do something like this. And it's it's a difficult thing to put together. And, um, you know, the football is also going to be subpar to start because um, you don't have the best players in the world. The best players in the world are playing in the NFL. But if you can get the best players from college football to start getting paid instead of going over to college football with all of its rules and all of the nonsense that's over there, then you can get something going. But I digress. Anyway, the AAF closed. And, you know, that was kind of a seven-week tryout for NFL teams. And some of the free agents, you know, some of the players from that league are signing with teams now. Um, the Redskins signed a defensive end. The Steelers signed a corner and a center. The Panthers signed a couple of offensive linemen. The Raiders signed some players. Uh, Minnesota got some secondary help. Garrett Gilbert, the quarterback uh, from the Orlando team, signed with the Browns. You know, so I this isn't going to have a ton of effect on the draft, but I think at the back end where, you know, maybe the Chiefs were looking for that corner, they signed the kid out of the AAF, and they'll say, okay, you know, we're good with him. You know what I mean? Maybe some of these teams are going to be more willing to give up some of those sixth, seventh round picks because they feel more secure in the players that they've taken from the AEF. So just a thought, not anything major, but um, this is the kind of stuff that happens when a uh, league like that uh, shuts its doors. So, but uh, let's get to some of these wide receiving prospects, shall we? The first one I have for you guys is Demarcus Lodge, the wide receiver from Old Miss. Uh, he came in at 6'1 and 7'8, 202 pounds at the combine. So he's a bigger kid. Uh, Tony Pauline actually thinks that Demarcus Lodge is the best of the trio, which um, is not strange because they're all very good. And, um, you know, he was obviously part of that big trio, but. I think the consensus is DeMarcus Lodge with his unbelievable combine, uh, really the 40, and just being gigantic and fast. And A.J. Brown looking like a possession receiver. Um, you know, he could be, depending on where he lands, if he gets with a good uh, quarterback, could end up being a very high fantasy pick this season uh, for us. But uh, it, it's it's not a wide hell belief that DeMarcus Lodge is the best, but it's not uh, very strange either. The teams that he's met with, he met with the Bills twice, and we've talked about them. They definitely need some wide receiving help. Uh, Tampa Bay, the Chargers, the Giants, and the Saints. And when I watched him on film, the strength that I saw is he played the ball in the air. He didn't have a great vertical at the combine, but he went up and got it on film. So I, I don't know if you know that's another one of those things. You know, spark score isn't going to always translate to film. 
Uh, I don't think I saw him get jammed at the line once, although he mainly played against off coverage because he had A.J. Brown and Dawson Knox and D.K. Metcalf with him on that uh, team. And he caught the ball well away from his body. He stuck those paws out, and he got it. The weaknesses that I saw in his game, he needs to run more diverse routes at the next level. Metcalf ran deep. Lodge ran rounded deep, and Brown ran across the middle. That's kind of what I saw from most of it. And Knox ran whatever they told him. They ran streaks, he ran shorts, whatever it was. Um, but uh, he's probably not going into the NFL with a complete uh, you know, route tree. So that is something that he's going to have to learn at the next level. And from what I saw, he didn't really create well after the catch. He didn't have much wiggle. He didn't avoid tacklers very well. So that's something that uh, you know he will have to work on for sure going into the next level. Uh, more of a catch it and fall down type of a wide receiver. So uh, the next guy up on the list here, Anthony Johnson from Buffalo. This is a kid that I really, really loved for college fantasy football because it was him and Tyree Jackson and K.J. Osborne, and they were the triple-headed monster of Buffalo. And uh, he was just a, a, a joy to watch there and a joy to watch rack up stats for my fantasy team as well. Uh, he came in at 6-1 and 7 eighths. At the combine, 209 pounds. I, I didn't like the comparison that he got. I can't remember who made it, but it was Jermaine Curse. I, I think that's taking a little bit away from Anthony Johnson, but um, we're going to see. And the teams that liked him, or met with him, excuse me, uh, San Francisco, Tampa Bay, and the Chargers as well. Strengths when I watched Anthony Johnson. Contested catching is the thing he does best. It's not just with the big size, but he knows how to track the ball really well, and he's going to snatch it out of the air when it's coming to him. Uh, he isn't fast, but he knows how to ramp up the speed and when to ratchet it down a little bit on those routes. Uh, he's a really good blocker. I don't know that I saw him go down too many times when he was uh, paired up on a block. I, I think he usually just uh, leveled somebody. And... You know, I, I hate to mention this because I know a lot of people like Tyree Jackson. I just don't. I think he's a, a great guy. I've heard his interviews. He sounds like uh, a great person. I, I just, his footwork is Christian Hackenberg-esque. So it's not good, and I don't think he's going to make it at the NFL level. So uh, I would say that Anthony jo Johnson suffered from some terrible quarterback play. Uh, his weakness is he's not really fast and he has to make a lot of contested catches. He ran a 4-5-0, which isn't bad for his size, but I didn't see him torching many Mac corners, which, you know, nothing against the Mac, but you're not playing against Alabama's corners. You know what I mean? You're not playing against those big physical guys. And uh, I, I think because of the quarterback play, he's probably going to be a better pro than a college player. That's why I don't like this Jermaine Curse comp. Not saying anything super negative about Curse. Curse has, uh, you know, had to sit through some terrible quarterbacks. But um, I think Anthony Johnson is going to be better than Jermaine Curse. It could just be because he's a shiny new toy and I haven't seen him play yet. But, uh, you know, this is kind of the opposite, where I said, you know, DeMarcus Lodge didn't have a very good, uh, you know, vertical at the combine, but I saw him go up and get it. Well, Anthony Johnson ran a 4-5-0, but I didn't see him torching many of those corners. So it, it's kind of the opposite thing. I'm not knocking... Um, the combine by any stretch of the imagination here. I'm just saying what I saw, and he didn't play as fast as he ran. Uh, the next guy is a uh, Ryan Cornell guy, a Georgia wide receiver, Miko Hardman. 
third year junior coming out, 5'10 and a quarter, uh, 187 pounds. Matt Miller compared him to Brandon Cooks. So that is a very good comparison. Strengths, speed, he's super fast. He snaps off routes with quickness. He had great bursts after the catch. If he doesn't get pressed, he will scorch that corner. If they are not jamming him at the line, he is going to run right past that dude. So you better have over-the-top coverage with Miko Hardman. You know, one of my favorite sayings, he takes the top off the defense. Weaknesses, limited route tree, not really his fault because Georgia liked to dump the ball off to the running back. I swear to God, I watched so many uh, clips of these uh, Georgia wide receivers and, um, you know, watching Riley Ridley and watching Miko Hardman, and they like to dump the ball off to Swift. And, um, re- well, really, it was just Swift. Um, I didn't see it too much to Holyfield, but he got so many dump offs. But uh, so Hart- Hardman, not really a super diverse route tree. He didn't have to face contested catch as much. Um, because they didn't throw the ball to him much except for when he was very, very wide open. And when he uh, when he did, he was usually beat. Body catches a little more than I'd like to see. So, um, you know, he got beat on those contested catches when he got them, which wasn't very often, once again. So that's something he's going to have to face in the NFL. He didn't see that much. And I, I want to see him stick those paws out. A uh, couple drops, you know. Uh, the teams that met with him, Tampa Bay, Dallas, and Atlanta. The next guy on my list, from what I heard uh, walking into this one, I didn't think I was going to like him. It's Anthony Ratliff-Williams from UNC. But when you watch his film and you take into account that he switched from quarterback to wide receiver coming into college, I was really impressed. Uh, he was a combine snub. He ran an unofficial 4-4-6 at his pro day, so he is very, very fast. And his strengths, when I watched him, he's versatile. He split out wide. He was in the slot. He passed on trick plays. He ran the wildcat. He returned kicks. And pitches the ball away from his body, which is good for a guy with a little experience, only three years of playing wideout. And he boxed out DBs well, especially on the short routes. And he's got a great motor, and he was a really good blocker. Uh, he came in at six foot two oh five. I don't think he measured at his pro day. Uh, weaknesses, obviously the experience, so he's gonna still have to refine his uh, route running and things of that nature. I mean, you know, any any time you see a guy that hasn't uh, played uh, wide receiver from high school going into college, you can just stamp that stuff on most of the time. I mean, not every case. I shouldn't say every case, but uh, he needs to get sharper there. And of course, he's gonna occasionally have a drop. And uh, the only team meeting that I saw with him so far was Carolina. Uh, the next guy, I thought I was going to have a little bit higher, but I came away just a touch disappointed with his uh, film. It was uh, Dylan Mitchell, the third year, uh, the junior from Oregon, six uh, one and a quarter. He came in at the combine, 197 pounds. And an NFL scout said he needs to grow up and take this seriously. Uh, the scout said, uh, it's not not a secret over there. He doesn't put the time in, but that's not all. Mitchell reportedly doesn't listen to coaches either, which explains his inconsistencies on field and why there were drives where Mitchell was just completely gone. And that is, I'm reading that right off of Roto World. So um, uh, not very good words to hear for Dylan Mitchell. The teams that met with him were Tampa Bay and Pittsburgh. Of course, Steelers met with the loser that doesn't want to Take things seriously. Uh, his strengths, uh, creating after the catch, really. Uh, he takes great routes after the catch, and he moves to get away from tacklers. He's fast. It helps him get into space against zone and helps him in his release at the line as well. 
weaknesses. I didn't see him really make many contested catches. He makes good adjustments in the air, but it might be because he isn't expecting the ball his way. Um, and uh, he shouldn't have uh, shouldn't have had to do that playing with Herbert. You know, playing with a good quarterback, it's rare to see you have to make all those kinds of crazy adjustments and things of that nature. So um, really, the, the taking it serious, I, I swear, if I'm a GM, as soon as I hear that stuff, he's off my board. You know, uh, guys can grow up, absolutely, but there's enough risk in every player anyway. I'm not going to be the guy that takes a risk on the guy that doesn't want to play. Uh, Deontay Johnson, uh, four-year junior from Toledo, 5'10 and a half, 183 pounds. Uh, and there were way different rankings that I saw in this guy. I saw UDFA. I've seen second round. I don't know where to put him. Uh, he had meetings with Buffalo, Denver, and Detroit. Um, I liked him from what I saw. So his strengths, the route running, he runs a diverse tree and is really good at getting off jams to the line or beating corners who give him cushion with speed. Uh, he's um, uh, quicker than he ran at the combine for sure. He has great body control, especially when adjusting to the ball. And uh, the uh, a lot of the stuff I read, sticky hands was coming with him. And that's what I would say too. Uh, he will usually catch it if he gets his hands on it. And that's kind of the golden rule in the NFL. If you get your paws on it, you should catch it. If someone knocks it out of your hand, okay. But you should be reeling it in if you get your hands on it. Uh, I mean, you got those gloves on with all that sticky stuff on it anyway. Our weaknesses are contested catches. He's not really big enough to body up DBs. Uh, when he does uh, make them, it's usually because he's tracked the ball better than the DB has. Uh, he goes down with pretty much any contact after the catch, so he's not really good at creating. And I definitely saw him fumble a time or two. So uh, his hands uh, and, you know, a smaller guy is going to get bodied up, especially, you know, when you weigh in at 183. You know, let's just take seven pounds off of that when you're trying to add weight because those guys will drink a gallon of water before going up there to be weighed. So uh, LJ Humphrey, I know everyone has probably been um, – Fairly surprised to hear me wait this long to talk about my guy, little Jordan Humphrey. Uh, he's a junior from Texas. He's 6'3 and 5'8". He is a big boy. 210 pounds he weighed in at. And the problem a lot of teams are going to see with him is that he has kind of been characterized as either a big slot wide receiver or a slot tight end. Um, and if you are going to move him to tight end, he's going to have to learn pretty much wholly and completely how to play that position. So I don't know who is going to end up drafting him or how late he's going to go, but if they are going to move him positions, it's going to hurt. Um, strengths for him is obviously his size is a big dude. He bodies up DBs and is especially good at high-pointing the catch. His hands might fail him, but his body won't in contested catches. He's a great blocker. He's tenacious and drives people to the ground. He will absolutely run over and power through tacklers, and he also had experience in returning kicks and punts. Uh, weaknesses for him, it hurts me to say about my Texas players here, but most routes are out of the slot, so he didn't have to face too many jams. He's slow. I mean, that's just the bottom line. He ran the slowest 40 at the combine by a lot. Uh he might be, well, for wide receivers, he might be a wide receiver or tight end hybrid, but it won't keep him from getting a job, in my opinion, and his route tree is underdeveloped, and he is not shifty. So if you're looking for a spark score, do not look for LJ Humphrey. If you're looking for a big physical receiver that can body up a corner, then he's very, very good. 
Uh, Stanley Morgan Jr. There you go, Nebraska fans. I got to him. Uh, six foot two oh two out of Nebraska. Uh, he's projected as an early day three. So uh, we'll see where he ends up going. The only team that's met with him that I saw so far was New Orleans. His strengths route running. He gets open with ease. He hand fights really well. Uh, he's got good body control going up and getting the ball. Uh, he isn't the fastest, but his precise routes get him open, and he gets some really easy catches because of it. He's got a great stiff arm that he can unleash after the catch. I mean, he drove some dudes to the ground. He made them look. He Vance McDonald, a couple dudes. It was fun to watch. He has enough vision to wiggle to make a defender miss downfield. Two weaknesses. Uh, the worst part of his game is his hands. It's a bit worse than concentration drops. He flat out just drops some for what seems like no reason. Uh, the effort is there when blocking, but he's not really good at it. I don't know what it is. He's not small. He's 200 pounds. I just, he didn't look good at it. I don't, uh, it's probably something I just don't know about as an armchair scout. Uh, maybe it's his footwork or something, but he was not good at it. And uh, the routes work because of footwork, not speed. And he had an arrest for 27 in 2017 for weed. So, Maybe off the field stuff, but I got to be honest. I roll my eyes at weed. I'm more concerned about the guy that doesn't take it seriously. Um, how about a sparked up dude? Miles Boykin, uh, Notre Dame, 6'3 and three quarters, 220 pounds. He was compared to Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, he has had meetings with Arizona, New England, Pittsburgh, and Houston. And um, I got to be honest, guys, I don't get it. Like, teams love him, scouts love him he was a 99th percentile um athlete a spark score so he's way up there he's a very very good athlete i just don't know that he's a great football player his strengths or his athleticism bails him out a lot he'll go up and get a ball he has tons of speed to get going after the catch he catches a ball away from his body he bullies defenders in the run game while blocking too so he did have many strengths his weaknesses uh, he's a sparked-up player that, to me, didn't translate to film. Uh, he has a huge frame, but he would get jammed at the line of scrimmage. His great 40 time didn't show up on film enough for me to say, well, he's got a great spark score, we got to take him. I don't know if it's ever effort level or understanding, but he didn't seem to know what to do when a play broke down. And plays broke down a lot because until Ian Book came in, uh, he didn't have great quarterback play. And, and, what, and I, I have to give that to him. He, this is another dude that suffered from very subpar quarterback play. So you get him in the right system. Uh, you get him with some smart coaches. You know, because these are traits six, three, and three quarters and lightning fast. You can't teach. So he needs to uh, be taught a little bit more, but he is definitely a project. Um, the next guy on the list here, Hunter Renfro from Clemson. You, you know, if you watch the national title game the last couple of years, you saw him. 5'10 and a quarter, 184 pounds. Um, and he really could contribute right away if he lands with the right team. He's a perfect slot wideout. Uh, team meetings with San Francisco, Tampa Bay, and Philly. And his strengths where he catches it if it's thrown near him at all. He catches the ball cleanly away from his body. He'll go up and get it. He will contort and adjust the ball in the air. Uh, he has crisp route running. He has tons of experience. He played 55 games in his college career, including three national title games. He's a high IQ player that had the tr trust of the coaches from day one. I mean, he started, uh, you know, all five years that he played in college. So, um, or all four seasons, he was eligible to start. Weaknesses is, I mean, it's kind of obvious. It's the size. He's not too short, but he is skinny, 184 pounds. And once again, 
you know, probably a gallon of water in that gut when he was weigh, being weighed in. So probably more like 175. Um, contested catch isn't great. He can go up and get it, but he got boxed out by defenders a bunch. Not very fast, so he won't get open deep very often. Uh, runs all the routes, but only really successful at the shorter ones because of the speed. Uh, effort for blocking is there, and he'll get in the way, but he will usually get bowled over. And he doesn't get too much yak because he doesn't have a lot of moves. He's almost exclusively out of the slot, so he didn't face a lot of jams either. So you couldn't be talking about more opposite players in those last two that I mentioned. Uh, you know, Hunter Renfro, kind of a all you know, a high IQ player with uh, tons of tenacity and heart and a high motor. Miles Boykin, super great athlete. Not sure he knows what he's doing. So uh, the next guy here, well, only a couple left, but um, Jalen Hurd. I was not expecting to like Jalen Hurd nearly as much as I, I know that I love, I love this guy now. I, I'm really excited to see where he goes. It's going to be a project, but uh, Jalen Hurd went to Baylor. He came in at 6'4 and 3 quarters, 226 pounds. Multiple analysts have him going in the fourth round, which is kind of high for a prod, project-y kind of a player. Um which was kind of a surprise to me, but he converted from running back to wide receiver. I think he just saw what happens to running backs in the NFL, especially ones at six four and three quarters. They're going to take a ton of hits and have a rather quick career, and he wanted to make it last, so he flipped. Um, and his strengths, creating after the catch, he's big, fast, and shifty, so when he gets the ball, it's a tall task to bring him to the ground. His hands are much better than what I would have expected since he converted to wide receiver only in 2018 after being a running back the previous three seasons at Tennessee. So uh, weaknesses, I mean, you know, this is this is print and repeat from what I said about Anthony Ratliff-Williams, but it probably goes a little further, you know, because uh, he only played one year at running back. It's not like he didn't run routes at Tennessee. He ran routes out of the backfield. Uh, but it's really refinement uh, of everything as a wide receiver. Uh, route running, getting off the press, contested catches, high pointing. And it's really because of the so few reps. And even at Baylor, he took reps at running back. So, I mean, he's kind of a joker player. He can do a little bit of everything immediately. But if you want him to be a wide receiver long term, you're going to have to, uh, he's going to have to learn a bunch at the pro level. So he's definitely a project. Uh, but he's got a ton of size and athleticism. And you know what? If it doesn't work out, he can always go back to being a um, a running back. Or they can ask him to put on a little bit of weight, and he can play tight end because he's definitely he definitely has a size for it. Uh, Penny Hart from Georgia State. Uh, comparison to Jameson Crowder, which I thought was more than fair. I don't know if I would have given him that good of one. Uh, 5'8 and 180 pounds. He had meetings with Cleveland and Green Bay. Strengths on Penny Hart, versatility lined up out wide in the slot, takes reverses, return kicks and punts, clean route running for him, tons of experience. He played uh, a long time at Georgia State, and he creates well after the catch, even without great moves. So he's not super shifty, but he he knows how to make guys miss. Uh, weaknesses, he's not as fast as a small wide receiver should be, and he didn't run at the combine or pro day, probably because he was afraid of what that time was going to be. And contested catch is tough for him, you know, for most smaller guys. But I, I you could, it was noticeable on film. Uh, the last two guys here, Gary Jennings, 
West Virginia, six foot one, two hundred fourteen pounds. Uh, he could be a pretty good PPR option. He met with a ton of teams, uh, and he's got a lot of film. You know, playing for Dana Holgerson at West Virginia, Tampa Bay, Miami, Detroit, New England, New Orleans, and Pittsburgh all had meetings with him. Uh, strength, speed, and yak. He lined up in slot mostly. I didn't see him face press coverage that much. He did have great bursts downfield on deep routes. If he did catch it short, he turned up field very quickly. He's also good at high-pointing the ball. He has the ability to turn his body in the air and snatch a ball out of the air. Uh, he didn't have to block too often, but from what I saw, he was pretty good when he was asked to do it. Uh, weaknesses, hands, he body catches way too much. And uh, even when reaching out away from his body, he still had concentration drops. I mean, I saw him drop one. That was just unbelievable. He was so wide open. Hit him right in his meat beaters, and he just immediately dropped it. Um, he has enough wiggle to make a tackler miss on occasion, but it isn't because of great lateral quickness, I would say. So uh, he's a little shifty, but not, um, I, I don't know. He's not going to drop someone. You know, he's not going to juke someone out of their shoes, but he's good at getting the ball upfield after catching it as long as there's not a defender there. He definitely has burst. I'd say that for him. Uh, Terry Godwin from Georgia, the last guy on the list here, 5'11 and 3'8", 184 pounds. He had team meetings with Buffalo, Tampa Bay, Atlanta, the Jets, and Carolina, and his strength is really shiftiness. Uh, he only had three games to watch uh, as far as the film that I saw, but you can see him ditch tacklers with some nifty moves. He seems to know uh, where to be when he's out there. He's a nice route runner from the limited action that I saw. Uh, weaknesses, tough to tell everything because I only had three cutups to watch. It ran almost everything out of the slot, so I didn't see him face many presses. I uh, don't know if I saw him make one contested catch, and he plays smaller than what he's listed at. Blocking effort is there. But the execution is, and I, you know, 5'11", 3'8", is already small. But uh, he he looked more like uh, Penny Hart size. Uh, but he was playing in the SEC, so he's probably just playing against bigger corners and all that stuff. So that's something that I got to get used to as far as uh, watching film and stuff. But that's everything I got for you guys today. And uh, I have got John McKechnie lined up to talk about the draft uh, later on this week, and I'll try to get someone else on. Uh, swung and missed at a couple of guests for last week. Just didn't go over well, but uh, I will get guys on that I, I think I can. And the Welsh and I will be recording a uh, mock draft show. So look forward to that. And remember, you can find me on Twitter at Bogman Sports, and I will see you guys later. Take it easy, everybody. <laughs>